This is Exit Vila, powered by BackSportsPage.com. Hello, fans of all ages. Welcome back to Exit Vila, the eighth episode of the Exit Vila podcast right here on BackSportsPage.com. Ryan Morick here with you, along with Adam Cohen and Christian Q. Quaranta. We're recording this on Wednesday, February 5th. And last night, we were hit with some breaking news. Mookie Betts getting shipped out of Boston. He gets traded to the Dodgers. David Price is joining him. And the Red Sox acquired Alex Verdergo. And they also required the prospect Bruce Dorr Grotero from Minnesota, who was the third team involved, as they acquired Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers. This has been a rumor for a long time. It finally got done last night, late last night. We are going to talk about why the Red Sox did this in the first place, trading a top three or four player in all of baseball. We are going to talk about why this makes total sense for Minnesota. But, Adam, I want to start with you here. This makes the Dodgers, if they weren't already, the by far the favorites in the National League, and if not, the favorites to win the World Series. This trade definitely puts the Dodgers above the top. For years, everyone kept telling the Dodgers, and a lot of people in the industry kept saying the Dodgers are one big trade away from winning the World Series for the first time since 1988. The Dodgers, who have always been very reluctant to trade their top prospects or top young players like Alex Verdugo, they finally buckled down and they acquired one of the best talents in the game, probably a top three to five player in all of baseball, Mookie Betts. They acquired Price, who isn't his Cy Young form, anymore, but he still should be a solid number three, star, three starter. And they acquired around $50 million from the Red Sox as well to pay for Price's contract over the next three years. So Dodgers get an A-plus on the steal. Very nice deal for them, and it's going to be a fun year in Los Angeles. It sure is. And Q, this is how I look at it for the Dodgers. This is kind of a no-brainer to me. You lose Hyunjin Ryu to Toronto. Your starting pitching in the postseason has certainly been a question mark, and that even includes Clayton Kershaw notoriously. And when they have been on the brink, they made it to the World Series in 2017 and 2018, and they lost both of those years. We've gone back and forth about the Astros and the Red Sox and their cheating scandals. And then last year, they were up two games to one against Washington. They lost two games in a row, with, and it was a heartbreaking end for them. If you're L.A., this is the kind of deal where you say you got to make this move in order for us to be a legitimate threat. Oh, certainly. L.A. just boosted his credentials huge, and they have to be the consensus pick to win it this year. They might have you know, piggy banked uh, the Yankees in a sense, and... And if I was in L.A. this year, it's almost like murderer's row, that lineup, because top to bottom, you really can't pitch around anybody. It, it's one heck of a lineup. And you have Cody Bellinger, who just won the National League MVP. You have Mookie Betts, who won the American League MVP in 2018. And even with the fall off in this past season, he still finished eighth this past year in MVP voting. And I think he's been in the top eight in each of his last four years. He's been an all-star each of the last four years. And on top of that, a silver slugger in three of the last four and a gold glove in four of his last four seasons. So this guy is a top caliber player. He's a top five player in baseball at worst, in my honest opinion. So Adam, with that being said, 
it, it was pretty much. Uh, I know that the books are still saying that the Yankees are the favorites, but in your mind, do you think it's the Yankees or do you think it's the Dodgers? And I guess we could talk about sleeper teams in one way or another, but. Looking at it right now, it's looking like it's the Yankees and Dodgers. If you have to pick right now, who's winning a seven-game series between these two? Honestly, I would hate to go against the Yankees, and I would totally want them to prove me wrong. But I think i got to pick the Dodgers at this point. I think their lineup is just as good, if not better, than the Yankees. I think their starting rotation is just as good, if not better, than the Yankees as well. They have a lot better defense than the Yankees, a lot more speed, a lot more just dynamic presence in the lineup. In top through bottom, there are no holes, no questions. They have great depth, too. And as I mentioned before, the Dodgers were just one move away, one player away from making it to the World Series again and winning it. They also acquired a good number three starter in David Price. So at this point, the Dodgers are the World Series favorites in my book. I'm really trying to look at teams in the National League right now, Q, and I understand – I think we can all agree that the Nationals weren't necessarily the best team in baseball last year despite winning the World Series. I don't always think that the World Series champion is necessarily the best team in the league. But I'm really trying to think of any team out there in this National League that can compete with them. I know the Diamondbacks are trying to make some moves after trading away Paul Goldsmith and Zach Greinke. And they're a, they're a nice team, but I think it's, yeah, that's kind of cute. And I think you can say the same thing for Cincinnati. I think you can say the same thing for for the Cubs and the Mets and the Phillies and, and even the Nationals, especially since they lost Anthony Rendon to the Angels. He's going to the American League. But they're really cute is not another team in this National League with the amount of star power that these Dodgers have at this point. Uh, I can't agree more. There's nobody. They are leaps, bounds, miles ahead of everybody because you truly cannot pitch to them. If Mookie Betts is leading off, followed by Max Muncy batting second, this guy, Max Muncy, hits dingers for a living, and he's batting second. You got Seager batting sixth, who a couple of years ago is considered one of the best players in the league himself. And you got Kevin Lux, who is a big, big name coming up this year. A lot of hype surrounding him. So just hitting-wise, you really cannot pitch around much of this lineup, if anything. And then you got a good depth off the bench and Kike Hernandez and many other players. Now I'm looking at David Price's numbers because he's kind of an important piece in this whole trade as well. Obviously Mookie Betts is the headliner, but I think this is a move that the Dodgers had to make in order to get a lefty arm to replace Ryu. Now what concerns me, Adam, is that he's only made he hasn't made uh, excuse me, I'm gonna rephrase that. He's only made thirty starts once over the last three years, and that was when he made thirty starts on the dot. Back in 2018, last year was probably his worst year as a Boston Red Sox with a 4.28 ERA. And then you look at his postseason numbers, and he has notoriously struggled. He has a 4.62 ERA in October. And we all know, like I mentioned uh, previously, Clayton Kershaw is notorious for not being able to perform in October. So, Adam, if you're the Dodgers... Are you content with this rotation? I know that the regular, the regular season rotation seems nice, but if you're a Dodger fan, are you still thinking in the back of your head, can these guys get it done? Well, like you said, the Dodgers in the regular season have a great rotation. They have Buer at the top now. I think he's 
better than Kershaw at this point at the present. You have Kershaw right behind him. You got Price. Then you have Urias or Gosselin or May to round it out, and that's a great rotation right there. But you raise a very, very good point. There's a couple of choke artists on this team, including Kershaw and David Price. And just to go back to your point you made earlier, there's a Yankees-Dodgers World Series, which everybody or every major baseball fan wants right now. You know, Gary Sanchez is David Price's dad, essentially. So that might be tough to <laughs> that might be tough to watch right there for the Dodgers. So it might be tough to see how these guys will do in the World Series. Don't forget, Price still won a ring for the Red Sox. He won a couple of clinching games in the ALDS and ALCS. He could do that again, but. That can definitely be a huge question for the Dodgers entering the postseason. Q, give me real quick. Uh, I'm going to grade this trade for for all three teams. For the Dodgers, I, I honestly think it's an A. I think that this trade puts them. I mean, I know that the games have to be played on paper, but I think that the Dodgers are without a doubt the favorites in the National League, and they are neck and neck with the Yankees right now as World Series favorites. And they got a serviceable arm in, in David Price. In my opinion, for Boston, I really don't like it at all. I'll get into more in-depth on Mookie Betts and why I think it's stupid to trade him in the first place. But even though that Mookie Betts only had a year left on his deal, I think a guy like Alex Verdugo, who's a very nice player, you are banging on Verdugo to be another Mookie Betts and you're getting cap space just to try to re-sign a guy like Mookie Betts when you could have just paid him anyway. I don't like the move for Boston at all, despite the contract statuses of everyone. And for Minnesota, I'm going to give it a B. I think that you can't be a prospect hugger when you need arms. I don't think Kenta Maeda puts them over the top, but I do think that he is a very nice pitcher. He probably becomes their number two behind Jose Barrios, who had a very nice season last year. But give me your grades uh, with all three teams, Q. Well, Dodgers A+, that's a given. But I have to give the Twins an A-, minus because... They have bats. That's proven. They got bats at the wazoo. But starting pitching is their biggest Achilles heel. And even if Maeda's not an ace, I think they're starting to trend the needle in the right direction now and focus on the things they need to do. Because obviously you bring in, you know, Donaldson. They have bats. They might hit 300 home runs. But at the end of the day, what do they say? Pitching wins ball games and... Just like the Yankees showed them last year, they showed them out to be Twinkies. When you can't pitch, no matter how many runs you put up, you'll lose games. And as you aforementioned, sometimes the best team doesn't always win it. I like to make the analogy with the Giants that year. They uh, took down the Patriots, who were 18-0. and They certainly weren't the best team in the NFL that year, but they got hot at the right time, like the Nationals did. And moving on to... Um, well, Twins, A-, minus, Dodgers, A+, plus, Red Sox, I have to give an F. They are in a full rebuild, I guess, and they I hear they want to stay under the $208 million range. But uh, with the scandal embroiling them to give away bets, maybe not even at the deadline, I would have waited at least to the deadline and seen if you got could have got a little more something. But 
I guess they thought this was the best route and the best avenue to move forward. The AL East is a lot uh, easier for the Yankees also in that regard. I'm glad you mentioned the trade deadline. I want to bring that up when we really talk about the Red Sox side of this trade. But you made a great point about the Minnesota Twins. They broke the single-season record for most home runs last year, and I think a lot of people forget that. And they added Josh Donaldson, who can easily hit 35 to 40 home runs. So, And they absolutely needed pitching. We saw that pitching was the difference maker in October last year. Adam, give me your uh, grades for each team involving the trade. I would say with the Dodgers and the Twins, I'm right in the ballpark with you guys. Dodgers, obviously, an A+. Bets and Price is a difference maker that can help them win their first World Series since 1988. The Twins, it was an interesting deal for them. Because when you think of Maeda, you think of a middle rotation starter that goes about five innings each time out or a solid wander weaver. And this guy, uh, Brussard Gratterall, he has an 100-mile-per-hour sinker. If he wanted to right now, or the Twins wanted to when they had him, they could have made him the closer today. And also, they were trying to groom him for a starter for a while. And one day, he can be as good as Maeda, if not better. So it's a very, very underrated pickup for the Red Sox to get Gratterall because the Red Sox have had bullpen trouble for years. He can be their closer right now. And... Although they lose price to get young, cost-effective talent in Gratterall. As for Alex Verdugo, no. He's not going to replace Betts at all. That's unlikely. And we can get more into it a little later about why Betts decides to leave, why the Red Sox didn't offer Betts such a mega deal. But Verdugo is a young, cost-effective talent that will be with the Red Sox until at least 2023, maybe even 2024 if I'm a little bit mistaken. And he is a guy whose player comp is Andrew Benintendi. So he's not going to replace Betts by any means. But he'll be a solid piece for the Red Sox who's cost-controlled effective for years to come and doesn't make the Red Sox overly worse. It's not just some schmuck of a prospect going to take five years to try to come up. This is a guy who's an impact player now who won't replace Betts but still keep the Red Sox to be somewhat competitive. I think you're very hard-pressed to find anyone out there who really hates this move for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But another common denominator that we're seeing is that a lot of people don't like this move for the Boston Red Sox. And Q, I want to get back to your point about the trade deadline. I understand that the Boston Red Sox hired a new general manager in Bloom, And I understand that Bloom really likes to be hands-on. And I know that he comes from Tampa, where they're small market driven. And you have to operate a lot differently than most teams in, in Major League Baseball. But... Mookie Betts is not a guy where I get that the move was kind of to shed cap space, but you are shedding cap space for what? To get a guy like Mookie Betts, who's going to be a free agent next winter anyway. So to to our knowledge, Mookie Betts hasn't had any problems in the clubhouse. And my friends and I were actually talking about this earlier yesterday. We were just talking about the Knicks and how they just fired Steve, uh, Steve Mills and the Kristaps Porzingis trade. And we were pretty much just saying that you don't trade young superstars, controllable superstars like this, just to 
shed bad contracts. And in a way, I disagree in terms of the Knicks because I think that Porzingis didn't want to be here and they obviously had issues between each other. But to our knowledge, we don't know of anything like that in regards to Mookie Betts and the Boston Red Sox. And this guy is not Chris S. Porzingis, who is injury prone and not performing this year at all. Might as well, obviously, Luka Doncic is awesome and maybe his numbers are inflated Porzingis. But enough of basketball. Mookie Betts is a top five player in all of baseball, that's not an argument, and you are giving him up to the Dodgers to bank on Alex Verdugo, bank on cap space, just to try to sign a player similar to Mookie Betts, and the Dodgers are not going to be afraid to re-sign him next winter at all. Oh, 100%, and I pose the question, does he re-sign if they don't make the World Series or win it? Does he re-sign with the Dodgers? I mean, I, I'm looking at uh, – I was looking at Spot Rack before. I, I think I mentioned it with you, Adam, the other day. It's just my go-to website on payroll and free agents. Next year, a- after this season is played, the Red Sox have five players with a legitimate number for their contract. Everyone else on their roster is either off the books or arbitration eligible. And after the 2021 season, they only have three players that are committed – to a contract and everyone else becomes a free agent or they are arbitration eligible. So by all means, the Los Angeles Dodgers can absolutely afford to pay Mookie Betts what he wants and frankly, what he deserves. So Adam, with that being said, do you think that there's a legitimate chance that he stays in LA? I think the answer for anyone on and the Dodgers is yes, but just give me some talking points anyway. Well, I do believe that Q gives a great point and that Betts is seen as a guy to have the Dodgers go back to the World Series once again. And if the Dodgers don't live up to their hype, if Price and Kershaw continue their postseason woes, or something else happens where the Dodgers don't make it, Betts could very well just say goodbye to L.A. and test his luck in free agency. Someone's going to pay this man upwards of $350 million in all likelihood. And there's only very few teams that can actually afford to pay him that type of contract, and that's still the Dodgers. So even if he doesn't make it to the World Series, he still might have that hunger and that love for playing in another big market like he did in Boston. And so there's a very good chance that, regardless, he could sign the Dodgers in 2020. Not really too many of our teams come to mind, maybe the Angels, but even then they have a lot of money committed. The Dodgers don't as much, so... I believe either way, Betts is a sure thing to, or a pretty sure thing to join the Dodgers after this offseason or rejoin the Dodgers. But a World Series berth or even a title could definitely help. You make a good point about the Angels, especially with the fact that they just signed Anthony Rendon to a long term deal. They're going to be paying Mike Trout for the next decade plus, and they still need pitchers. And they just traded for Jock Peterson, who is going to have to get paid a, a little bit of the big bucks also. So. It's going to be tough. it's going to be a tough road for the Angels, but going back to the Red Sox as a whole, why in the world are they trading top tier talent if we all think and like this is L.A. that we're talking about? This isn't the Cleveland Indians who are small market team and they try to hang on to all of their homegrown players. This is the L.A. Dodgers where they're. Always a threat to sign every big free agent. 
Garrett Cole was very close to being both a Los Angeles Dodger and a Los Angeles Angel. California guy, they were willing to pay a, a crap load for him. So uh, it, it really surprises me to see the Boston Red Sox, who, keep in mind, in 2018, Mookie Betts gave them an MVP and pretty much they, he carried them to a World Series. They returned the next year with practically the same exact roster. Not many changes heading in from 2018 to this upcoming season. So Q, you make a great point. Why wouldn't you wait until the trade deadline? They are still a talented team. They might still be a wild card contender, even with missing the postseason last year. So why do it now when you could have a nice, solid team, and then maybe if you don't think it's going to be worth it, then you trade them on July 31st? Or you just wait and see and sit back and see what teams are in a playoff race that will give you a bunch, bunch more. Like you said, he wasn't sent to purgatory. He was sent to primetime L.A., and I don't want to get into conspiracy theories or anything like that, but maybe this is a, a payback to L.A. after they got robbed from the last two championships. But, you know, I don't want to get too much into conspiracy theories. But just from a empirical mind, why wouldn't you just wait until the deadline? I think there's a direct correlation you'll get more value. Just, just off of teams trying to make it, and especially the Dodgers. I think they would have gave you even more. And let's say, figuratively speaking, Adam, let's say that the Red Sox plan all along is to pull a Yankees with the Rodas Chapman and Glaber Torres, trade the guy now, get a top prospect. I don't think Alex Verdugo is Glaber Torres, but that's aside the point. Wait until free agency, see if you can lure him back. But if you really want Mookie Betts and know that he's going to command a lot of money. I know that they offered him 10 for 300, and the rumors are saying that he wants 12 for 420 or whatever. If you're the Red Sox, why are you even risking this guy hitting the free agent market? And hey, you know what? If it works, if Mookie Betts comes back to Boston next winter, I'm sure we're going to be listening to this and laughing at ourselves because the Red Sox got Alex Verdugo, who can be a very nice player, and they got Mookie Betts back anyway. But... Why are you risking that in the first place, Adam? There's a lot of speculation that says the Red Sox ownership are penny-pinching the team and they're trying to act like a small market team and it's ridiculous and they want to save money. That's one speculation. And there's some basis for it because Betts deserves upwards of $300 million as seen because Harper and Machado got that, got that money, Cole got that money, Trout got that money. And Betts is easily a top five player in the game. There's no Bryce Harper conspiracy that Harper isn't actually as good as he is with Betts. That's not the case for him. He is, like you said earlier, Ryan, without an argument, a top five player in all of baseball, in all of the baseball world. So uh, trying to save some money right there could definitely be a point. But there's also some other speculation. And personally, I know someone who's a scout for the Red Sox or was a scout for the Red Sox. I don't know if I can say his name at, right now, but he is a very viable source, and he said Betts was unhappy in Boston. And that could have been a large reason why they decided to move him, because they didn't think that they were going to re-sign Mookie Betts. And they figured, well, why don't we sign him or trade him now, excuse me, instead of halfway in the middle of the season where 
you don't know what type of return you'll get. And now where they can mass out their return with guys like Verdugo and Gratterall, but it's still definitely a risk. Betts is one of their best players, some say since Yastrzemski. People are calling this the Babe Roof curse of the modern century for the Red Sox because Betts and Roof had similar numbers of war over their first five years in Boston. So it's very, very interesting why exactly they did it. I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more to come, but it's still very shocking that they actually did it, that they're definitely seemingly taking themselves out of contention for the 2020 season and kind of thinking about more about the future, even though the luxury tax penalties are not too, too scary for them. You know, I I have a hard time siding with owners sometimes because they're multi-billionaires who are paying these guys what we would die for. But the Red Sox have paid a lot of luxury tax over the last, uh, I think it's been well over a decade now, guys. So I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt, but... When you're just trying to save money to do the same thing that you want to do with a Mookie Betts type of player anyway, I just have I, I that's where I have a hard time siding with owners. Q, I know you wanted to, to mention this. It is kind of ironic how we'll talk about the 2018 scandal with the Red Sox, Dodgers and Red Sox. The Red Sox uh, had a phenomenal season, won the World Series over the Dodgers. It was their second World Series loss in a row. Now it's turning out that they were cheating. We still have yet to await official punishment, but Alex Cora got fired. And now it's pretty ironic that Mookie Betts, we we don't know his role in whatever scandal there is, but nonetheless, Mookie Betts going to the team that he allegedly cheated against is kind of funny in its own right. Oh, it's hilarious. And do you expect any animosity between the players? I don't know because you don't know the full extent of everything. But if details do come out midseason that Betts was definitely a cheater or in on it, do you think any players will look at him differently? Because the Dodgers team as a whole was very, very angry. The whole city as a whole. Yeah. The city council adopted a resolution against it to try to get their series <laughs> back. But... It's it's almost ironic and it's just crazy and it'll fuel some conspiracy theories for sure because they didn't wait for the deadline. I think waiting for the deadline can only increase your chances or get this very deal. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it might be a little bit awkward uh, at first, but I think at the end of the day, Adam, it, I'm, I'm not sure if you agree with me on here, but the Dodgers have been so close to the cusp of baseball. They've been so close to the top that I think they'll just get over it. We all know that Derek Jeter and A-Rod didn't really like each other too much, but they got over it. They got over it because they knew that they had a team that was pretty damn good, and they knew that they needed to win a World Series. Alex Rodriguez knew he needed to win a World Series. They didn't like each other, but when it came down to going on the field at them, they wanted to win, they needed to win, and they made it work. I can kind of agree with both of you guys here because – there could be a couple of comments about Betts if he is part of the sign-stealing scandal. That's a bit of a tongue twister there anyway. But he also is the piece that Dodgers can put them over the hump and win the World Series. And at the end of the day, these are all professional players. These are all professional people. And a lot of these players Dodgers have are homegrown, that are hungry for a championship, have had a culture of winning but not quite getting to where they want it to be. So even if they have any animosity towards bets, we won't hear about it in all likelihood. And 
they're just going to be happy that they have one of the best players in baseball on their team ready to help them finally win a chip. You know what? If they wind up getting into fights in the clubhouse, if they wind up running a ring, I'm, I'm sure that they wouldn't trade that for the world. We've been going at this for about 27 minutes or so. Before we head out, we really haven't talked about the Minnesota Twins too much. We touched on their offense and how they did need, need a pitcher. But Q, I'll start with you with Minnesota. You originally brought it up. They set the record for most home runs in a season last year. They won, they won 101 games last year with a pretty subpar pitching rotation. They add Kenta Maeda, who has been a part of the Dodgers. He pitched in, I can't remember off the top of my head if he was there in 2017, but he's been there definitely the last two years. They get a controllable pitcher. I think he's under control until 2023, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And he becomes this team's two or three starter. And we saw the Yankees crush them in this past ALDS. So I think this move was a no-brainer to get Kenta Maeda if I'm Minnesota. Bro, definitely. It just basically sets a new culture. And if I was them, I wouldn't wouldn't expect to make even another move maybe by the end of this offseason and try to boost that start in pitching because that lineup is also very scary. Maybe it's not as scary as the Dodgers now, but it's quite arguable. But starting pitching-wise, they are very, very behind, and they have an abundancy of bats. So I don't know why you wouldn't even think to maybe trade, get another starter, maybe a one or two starter, and then Maeda and all these deals come together, and you might say, hey, the Twins might be the biggest winners of them all, maybe at the end of the year. You never know. The thing about the Twins getting a starter, though, is there are a lot of, there are a lot of nice arms that are going to become free agents after this year. The problem is most of them are on postseason made teams and a team and teams like Texas who I don't really think they're ready to to sell off those assets yet. But I wrote down a couple of potential options that they could trade for, like a Jordan Zimmerman or a Tyler Chatwood, who are both free agents after this year. And even Chatwood is kind of a, a question mark because he's on the Cubs and while we're really not sure what's going on with them, for the time being, they're a postseason contender. You can even look at Kevin Gosman, who becomes a free agent after this year, and even the free agents after the 2021 season. That includes Jay Happ, but I don't think the Yankees are going to trade him now because we just got the news about James Paxton, who's expected to not make a return until around May or so. So I think Jay Happ is staying in the Bronx. Maybe a guy like Johnny Cueto or a guy like John Lester. But, it, Adam, if you're the Twins, I think you've got to try to make a move for one of those guys, but it might be a little bit too late for them also because all the hot arms left in free agency a couple of months ago. You are certainly right how in 2021 and 2022, the arms do not compare to this season. And the Twins, give them a lot of credit. They were in on Cole. They were in on Strasburg. They were in on Ryu, on Bumgarner, on Keuchel. But they still rounded the rotation by re-signing Oda Rizzi, by getting Hill, by getting Bailey, by getting Maeda. And it's better to get one like a couple good pitchers rather than four mediocre to decent to maybe slightly above average pitchers. But either way, this is a very win-now move for the Twins. And Gatterall was a top prospect in the Twins system for a while. And at his peak, he can really turn into a Kensamite, if not better than him. So they definitely are risking it a bit. But when you win 101 games, when you have this type of lineup and you need rotation help or longer relief help, this is the right move 
for the Twins. And just to answer your question, they might not exactly go after any of these free agents. Maybe, maybe Gosman out of the three, because Zimmerman and Chatwood just aren't there. And in 2022, all three of those guys are all right, sure, but we could be seeing the Twins on the trade market. They do have a couple assets like Marwin Gonzalez or Miguel Sano, and we could definitely see them try to mm. still get starting pitching or still get relief help before the season even starts. Yeah, they, they still have a lot of work to do. I think they're really going to try their slug their way to a championship, but I think we've tried to see it with the Yankees over the last three years. I just don't think that's uh, the way to roll, and I think they know it. I think they know that they need pitching, but they couldn't compete with the L.A.s of the world and New York when it came to Garrett Cole. Strasburg, it pretty much seemed like he wanted to stay in Washington. And we knew that the Nationals were going to keep one of Strasburg or Rendon. They kept Strasburg and Rendon went over to the Angels. But I think they're still a very, very, very good team. I think they are the favorites to win that division still. But th- th- that division, it- it's-, it's-, it's pretty good. Chicago got good. Cleveland is still hanging on by a thread. I think Minnesota's a front runner. But it- it's going to be a fun division to watch. But that's all the time that we have for this episode of Exit Velo. We are going to start to really get down to breaking down each division as the weeks go by because pitchers and catchers report in a week, amazingly so. We can't wait. We're excited to talk about all these teams, all 30 of them, as they head down to Florida and Arizona. It is not goodbye. It is see you later. So long and take care, everybody.